It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the uh, by the trio of gentlemen today. I got Uncle Dave in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter, Dave underscore Essler. I got Steve Reeder. You guys can get him at Avoid the Vig. And I also have Chris Dell on the podcast for tonight. You guys can get him on Twitter as well, at Mad Journalist. All right, guys, here we go. NFL week number six. We got one, two, three, four, five, six games. Um, Mackenzie Rivers and I weren't able to go ahead and do the Thursday night football game. So the guys and I will go ahead. We'll break that down. Then we'll break down uh, six other NFL games. Guys, before we go ahead, jump into the podcast. Uh, I, I do want to ask you guys all one real quick question. You know, it takes a couple of weeks to go ahead and get the ball rolling, you know, to where you feel comfortable with the stats, with the players, uh, kind of where you're at right now. Uh, honestly, I don't know how you guys feel right now. But I feel very good with where I'm at with my NFL handicapping. I feel like I could look at the board, feel very confident in all the bets that I'm making. Uh, I, I feel like I, I could kind of pick out the lines that are right and wrong, know which direction that they're all going. And generally, that's kind of where you want to be right now. So I'm not sure if everybody feels the same way. But Uncle Dave, I'll go ahead. I'll throw it over to you. Typically, you know, right around this time, is this really where you want to go ahead and start getting into your groove? I really want to be as confident as you. Uh, based on what you just said, you just need to tell me who to pick. I mean, that was that was pretty good, Sleepy. I mean, um, you know, for me, I, I think this is a time when you when I when I feel probably the most confident because you do have five games under their belt, and you know, I, I don't throw a ton of weight behind the stats uh, without looking at strength of schedule. And I think with like five games, that's a that's a good barometer to see. Okay, well, they haven't played the greatest, and you know, maybe that's why they're their rushing defense is kind of pitiful or whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great time of year and, you know, nobody's eliminated. Everybody's still motivated. So I think there's a lot more information now. And, and then, and, and as we get later into the season, uh, a lot more variable. So yeah, this is prime time. So uncle Dave, you mentioned stats and Steve, you're, you know, you're probably the stat guy uh, probably out of all of us, you know, right now, how much, uh, you know, how much faith are you putting into the stats right now into your handicapping? You feel comfortable with that, you know, a lot of the numbers that you're seeing right now are actually true. I think Dave touched on it a little bit. I mean, obviously, after five weeks, you're feeling better than you did after the first week or the second week. But, you know, the strength of schedule is such a predominant part of this, even just the teams that perform well defensively against the pass. You know, bringing that into your handicap is vital. But you also have to take a look at that strength of schedule and how that team's power rating uh, for lack of a better term, for that individual skill set was against those other teams and who they played. You know, if they're playing an easy schedule, they're going to look great on paper. So the stats can be really deceiving right now. You know, it's certainly it's better than the start of this, the year, but this is I'm still not 100% confident. I'm certainly not anywhere near where you as confident as you are. Uh, I'm getting there, and certainly some teams I feel more confident about than others. Uh, you know, we talk about that a lot with, like, college sports uh, where there's a ton of different teams and you focus on a conference. Uh, I certainly have my teams that I feel more comfortable about and some of those that I'm still trying to figure out as this season progresses. So, Chris, now you're a different guy. You deal with players. And I think one of the things that you're really good at is going ahead and identifying, you know, who the team's number one running back is going to be, number two, you know, number three, four, five, six wide receiver, whatever the case might be. But, you know, after, you know, five, six weeks, you probably feel really confident that you kind of know exactly who's going to do what, how much production they're looking at seeing each and every week. So you 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 probably feel very comfortable right now you know, with each team's roster and what all these players are, are going to do or expected to do. 
Yeah, I think that when you look at overall from team to team, you know kind of what the usage and opportunity rates are for wide receivers. You know, what's their target percentage on the year? What's their air yard share percentage? And how much of the market share are they getting in this offense when it comes to weekly opportunities? And you know, we'll obviously talk about that with each of the games here tonight. But some of the other things that I've really put more of an emphasis on focusing on myself this year are overall defensive matchups. And specifically when it comes to offense, it's uh, snaps and pace. And looking at, you know, what type of tempo are teams playing at when it comes to neutral pace situations, when a game is within seven points, either way, how often are these teams throwing or running the ball uh, as opposed to the average across the league? And I think that really kind of helps you gauge, you know, where you can go in terms of targeting running backs, targeting receivers in certain types of matchups. And we have, we have a prime example of it Thursday night with two of the top five most pass happiest teams in the league in regards to their neutral situation passing rate. So those are some of the things I like to look at in addition to some of the uh, you know overall PFF grades when it comes to handicapping. I use this for props as well when it comes to coverage grades, you know, pass blocking, pass uh, pass block, pass rush, you know, run blocking, run defense, things like that to figure out, okay, well, we're looking at the projections for a player and we know who's going to get targeted more, but how can we create an edge for ourselves when it comes to making a bet over or under when we add in these other factors? And I think that really helps me determine you know, either to boost a guy up or to, or to, you know, kind of shove a guy down a couple spots when it comes to making a bet when there are so many options on the board. It, it all sounds like we're, we're pretty much confident and we're all kind of in the pocket right now. Uh, my personal experience is that, you know, if, if you're sitting in like week five, week six, week seven, and you just have no confidence and you are completely lost as having a bad season, um, things just, they, they don't tend to go right. And you feel like you're just digging out of a hole, but you know, just between us guys here, you know, we work our rear ends off every single day. So uh, I feel like as a group um, that we're really ready to rock and roll right now. We're, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're getting in the fast lane and we're ready to, you know, go ahead and, and kick it into high gear for the rest of the season. Now, Chris, you mentioned Thursday night football. We're going to start out with that one. Tampa Bay at Philadelphia. Current line in this game right around six and a half. There are some sevens out there as well. High total for this one, guys, 52 and a half. Now, I know this Philadelphia team rather well, but I've been tracking really well with this Tampa team, picking my spots, picking the player props, feel really good about this particular game. Uncle Dave, I'll start out with you with this one. Tampa, Philly, what do you got? Well, not a lot, Sleepy. Um, first of all, I, I didn't know we were going to do this game, uh, but I will tell you, uh, full disclosure, I did tease Tampa Bay uh, down to minus a half with someone Sunday, but I'm not sure if that wasn't, a little premature, you know, there's part of me wishing I took the Eagles. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at the odd screen and I mean, it's six and a half. If it's seven anywhere, it's a super weak seven. Uh, and by super weak, I mean, you know, it, it's minus seven, even money, uh, you know, plus seven for the Eagles is minus 120. So then I look at, you know, 80% of the tickets and even a higher percentage of the money are on Tampa Bay. And yet some books haven't gone to seven and no book has gone through seven. So if I were to take the names off the line and just bet on that, I would take your Eagles. Uh, my gut feeling, Uncle Dave, is that you made the right pick right from the gate, going ahead and teasing Tampa Bay. No, Philadelphia is just a Jekyll and Hyde kind of team. And I think, you know, if they're the Jekyll, they're going to get blown out. And if they're the Hyde, um, more than likely, they're probably going to end up losing the game. But, you know, there is a good chance that they can't cover you know, one, one week they show up on offense and the next week they don't. Next week, you know, they show up on defense and the week after that, you know, they don't. So uh, it's hard for me to go ahead and play against Tampa Bay. As I mentioned, you know, earlier on in some of the podcasts, 
I felt that Tom Brady is going for records this year. And Philadelphia's pass defense, not the greatest. Uh, Darius Slay is actually playing quite well. But uh, Tom Brady's probably going to be able to go ahead and carve this team up and down the field, you know, with all the wide receivers that they have on that Tampa Bay offense. And the running backs, actually, for Tampa Bay aren't playing that bad um, either. So I just don't see Jalen Hurts having a, a lot of success, even though that Tampa Bay secondary is banged up. I would lean towards the over because I believe that Miles Sanders and even Jalen Hurts, for that matter, probably aren't going to be able to have you know, a whole hell of a lot of success running against this Bucks defense. So uh, it would be a slight lean to the over for me with that. But I agree with you there, Uncle Dave. Teasing Tampa Bay. Uh, I did the same exact thing as soon as that one popped up. I'm like six and a half. I'm all good with that. Give me Tampa. How about you, Steve? How are you feeling about that one? No, the the plus seven is interesting. If it got the seven and a half, I think I might take a little bit on uh, Philadelphia there. Uh, I, I did also do it in a teaser, just like David mentioned. Um, I, I can't lay a touchdown. If you're taking Tampa, and you know you know when Thursday night comes and everybody's betting this, this line's going to go to seven. So if you're looking to lay uh, the, the points, you got to do it now. Um, I, I took it in a teaser. I mean, personally, Brady hasn't been that great on uh, Thursday night. He hasn't been great at, uh, at primetime games, especially against the spread. Uh, this is just not a spot that I think Tampa can lose. Uh, that's Can they get the margin is a different question. Uh, but this really is a game that's setting up uh, very well for the props. I, I have some of the most amount of props that I bet is in this particular game. I mean, Tampa Bay is number one against the run. They only allow 2.9 yards per carry, 30 yards less per game than the nearest team. Uh, Tampa Bay's opponents have also had the most pass attempts because they know they can't run against them. So it obviously uh, gets you to the over on Jalen Hurts passing yards, which we did take advantage of. Six out of seven running backs this year have hit their over in receptions, which is pretty incredible and sets up for Miles Sanders. Uh, So those are some areas that I, I definitely targeted. Uh, again, I'm totally fine with a teaser. Um, if you're looking for Philly, I'd wait towards the kickoff and, and try to grab it. Maybe you'll get a rogue seven and a half somewhere. Uh, but otherwise, I, I'm really focusing more so on the player prop market in this game. You know, I was really high on Miles Sanders coming into this season. I could tell you one thing that's starting to, I, I believe, take place. You know, you guys know I watch Philadelphia each and every week. And Gainwell, he's starting to take a whole hell of a lot of, uh, he's taking more production than a lot of people probably thought. And I'm not sure if Chris warned me about Sanders, but, you know, it was a guy that we had talked about. And I really didn't see this Gainwell character. But one of the guys that we work with, Donnie Dice, he is a avid Philadelphia fan. And he, you know, watches all the, you know, all the press conferences and all that stuff like that. And he had mentioned, he was like, he's like, I don't mind Sanders. He's like, I think he's going to be good. But he's like, I'm telling you, this Gainwell kid, uh, he's going to end up chopping in a lot of his production. He's like, it might take some time, you know, give it six, seven, eight weeks. Maybe an injury occurs or something like that. But he did say that this kid was going to go ahead and start chopping in. And on the fantasy radios, uh, I'm starting to hear Gainwell's name, you know, as a guy that, you know, people are you know, pick him up. You never know what he could be, whatever the case might be. So um, I'm cautioning myself against having, you know, those high hopes that I had for Sanders in the beginning of the year. Chris, I'm not sure necessarily what you think about that particular area, but I'm sure you have a whole hell of a lot of props for this one because I'm guessing you probably see a lot of points. I'm expecting a lot of points. Um you know, will it go over or under? I mean, I'll maybe slightly into the over for me. I think 51 and a half is a little bit light compared to how these teams like to pass the ball. Uh, the one thing I do agree with Uncle Dave in terms of if you had to pick a side, picking the Eagles is that, you know, the Eagles are a good pass blocking team and the Bucks are bottom in bottom five in the league when it comes to pass rush. So I, I think that the Eagles will be able to sit back and kind of pick their spots against this secondary, which has been, you know, a pass funnel type of offense, you know, th- you know, defense throughout this you know season. So, 
when I'm looking at Miles Sanders for props when it comes to the passing game for Philly, I do like the fact that he saw a season high in targets, routes, targets per routes run, and also overall snaps in week five. We actually saw season lows across the board uh, for, for the rookie Kenneth Gainwell, as you mentioned. So is this a blip on the radar because we had seen Kenneth Gainwell starting to take advantage of more playing time, more routes run, et cetera? That's something that I don't know if I want to bet on in regards to Gainwell, but I think Sanders is in a good spot, as Steve mentioned here. Uh, but I, I really think this game sets up well for the Tampa Bay offense in regards to what Philly wants to do is they want to force you to run the ball, but their their secondary and their coverage grades are middle of the pack at best. So I think Leonard Fournette's a guy where we've seen him be established in this offense as the number one running back in Tampa. Bruce Arians and Tom Brady have, have the nothing but glowing quotes to say about him. And they've, they've been referring to playoff Lenny over the last couple of weeks. So I think that in this type of game with a high point total, with the Bucks being on the road, uh, and, and facing a, a run defense in Philly, which ranks 26 in the league, according to PFF, I think Leonard Fournette over his rush attempts you know, is, is a solid bet overall. Right now we're seeing that he's projected for about 14 rush attempts. And you can find you know over, I believe, over 12 and a half. It could have moved earlier today uh, when I was looking at it. You know, some, some books might have 13 and a half. Some might have 12 and a half. I think over 12 and a half is a solid bet for Fournette. Uh, but that, that's kind of where I'm looking in this game overall. But I think the books have properly adjusted this game in the prop market to where they're they're really setting these uh, totals for these guys really high. So I don't want to just take the over just because I think there's going to be a lot of passing. Uh, I, I think the books have done a good job about this being an island game, uh, about setting some of these totals really high above their projected uh, points and, and yardage totals uh, for the night. That's kind of my overall take so far. All right, well, let me throw one more wager at you, and it's only because I watch this team each and every week. You know, if you can find Philadelphia Eagle wide receivers, whatever their over and under is for their first reception, just play it under. If you can find three or four of them, just play them all under because Jalen Hurst does not throw the ball down the field. Uh, He's just throwing way too many passes at the line of scrimmage and behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, Miles Sanders, you know, just going back to last week, yeah, he had some catches, but he started out like way behind the eight ball because – uh, they just kept throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. I believe Quez Watkins might have been another guy. I mean, it's just constant, you know, that this team's just playing behind the line of scrimmage. And, you know, it gets annoying, you know, if you if you have overs with those guys or, or whatever. But I feel like that's a really good wager, you know, whatever that guy's over and under will be for his first reception. So you guys might want to go ahead and take a look at that. Let's jump over to the Packers and the Bears. Uh, right now, Bears plus four, total 44 and a half. You guys know I'm a Packer fan. I'll tell you what, this line stinks. Normally, Green Bay's probably laying six here in this spot, and the fact that they're not, it has me worried that the Bears might be live. Maybe the line's telling us something that we don't know. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pass this game. Obviously, you guys know I'll be rooting for my Packers to win, but I think the total is probably right around spot on, but this number stinks to me, so I'm worried about it. I don't want to tease up because I know that Rodgers can go off and blow the Bears out. I mean, it's not like it hasn't happened before, but I'm passing. Steve, I'll go ahead and throw it to you first. Packers, Bears, what do you got? I think this line is short as well. My power ratings make the game actually Green Bay 7. And I talk about this in our power ratings column that it, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know what the injury situation is with Green Bay. They have a lot of people dinged up on both sides of the ball. So I'm kind of sitting back right now to see what happens with that injury report coming out before I do anything, if I do anything. Uh, Yair Alexander is hurting. He's their best corner. Zadarius uh, Smith, their best ru- uh, pass rusher hurt. Uh, but they had three sacks last week and eight quarterback hits. So it's tough to really determine how much of an impact those injuries have actually had. 
Uh, Fields is just horrendous. Uh, he's under six yards per attempt in three out of the four games. Chicago's O-line is actually not great pass blocking, but they're actually decent running the ball. Uh, Damian Williams and Herbert actually had a decent game last week. The Packers run defense ranked 10th, according to PFF. So it'll be interesting if Chicago is going to have success, they're going to have to overcome that Packers run defense because, you know, Fields can't do it. Now, on the other side of the ball, Rodgers may not be his MVP self, but he put up 344 yards last week. Devontae Adams was targeted 16 times for 11 receptions, 206 yards. The best other receiver in the game was Cobb with two whole receptions. He had two catches. Adams is unstoppable, impossible to scheme against. You know, Chicago's defense can be good. They were great last week. They weren't great all season, though, so we'll be, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to stop Adams, who leads the league in uh, receptions and yards per game. Uh, for Chicago to win, they have to get to Rodgers. Their 18 sacks is good for uh, first in the NFL, um, but I can't attack it right now. If, if it was Green Bay minus four, I'd be all over this. That hook just scares me off. I'm going to be patient. I highly, highly doubt I get that minus four. Um, but Green Bay's won four straight games against Chicago. They take it very seriously. It's not something they're going to look past. Um, if you are a Bears backer, I think you look to Bears in the under in the game for a parlay. Uh, but I'm gonna, probably going to end up sitting this one out unless it goes to four. All right, good stuff there, Steve. Chris, I got to ask you this question because I noticed this last week with the Bears. Now, I was really, really heavy on the Raiders last week. It was my premium pick. Uh, didn't come through. Really upset with that. But I noticed that Bears backfield. Now, Montgomery was out, and then they had the new kid come in. I think, what was his name, Chris? Like Herbert or something like that? Like, that kid was balling. He played really well. But it looked like the Bears really focused on the ground attack, short passing game to the running backs, a lot of action to those running backs. So, I'm curious if you're going in that direction and maybe what you think from, you know, those guys in general. But uh, Chris or uh, Steve, you had mentioned Devontae Adams. I'm curious if any of us, we even have the nuts to go ahead and fade him, you know, on any given week. I mean, he can go up against some of the top corners in the league. And I just don't think it matters. I think he is the number one wide receiver in the league. So, Chris, curious what your thoughts are on this one. I think you're looking at this game. I, I would honestly try to look as at as many unders as possible. We're, we have a 45-point total here. And, you know, the Packers are project, projected for right under 25 points. The Bears are right over 20 in this game. Uh, these are two teams that run really slow tempo and pace on offense. I mean, even in week five with the Packers and Bengals games, uh, they still stayed under the point total. And, you know, that's with 14 extra snaps in overtime. I mean, Green Bay is operating at the third slowest neutral situation pace in the league. So their games are averaging the second fewest combined plays per game. So th th these are two very slow conservative offenses the problem is is that the Packers can be efficient on low play volume where the Bears I think they're really going to try to lean on the running game and their defense as best as they can being at home in a division game uh, to try to kind of hold the Packers in check here so you know I'm not going to fade Devontae Adams of course not he was the chalk in DFS last week but uh, I, I will look to kind of I would rather look in terms of overs to the running backs in this game for the Packers side of things you know being four and a half point favorites where Aaron Jones is projecting right now in the mid-60s to 70s for his rushing yards, but the books have him right now, BetMGM, as over 53.5 at minus 115. So that would be the first place that I would look for props in this game. I, I think in a competitive situation, an important game Packers want to win, they're going to they're gonna see – you're going to see them rely more on Aaron Jones than A.J. Dillon, where I think Dillon's more working in when it comes to uh, – you know, you know, when the Packers have big leads and they want to try to milk the clock. So that's my favorite prop so far in this game. And just in terms of overall, you know, I would not try to 
try to play many overs in this game when it comes to the passing attacks because I think the play volume is going to be very low at the end of the day. We've seen them really hold fields back in terms of how much they want to open up the offense to him. And, you know, they rank in the bottom of the league in almost everything when it comes to play volume, total snaps, total plays, total pass attempts. So, uh, you know, try to play as many unders as possible if you're going to play props in this game. All right. Good stuff there, Chris. And I don't disagree with you. I think we see quite a bit of running in this one, a lot of uh, a lot of clock chewing in this particular game. How about you, Uncle Dave? How are you feeling about the Packers and Bears? Uh, I'm probably just going to pile on what you guys said, you know, as far as the side. You know, I think instinctively, you know, people might want to bet the Bears and and now Justin Fields is QB1 after they beat the Raiders. But, you know, I wonder how much of that was the Raiders internally imploding before we knew they were imploding. And then the other half are going to want to fade the Packers based on a mere overtime win at Cincinnati. Um, you know, the other half are going to want to bet uh, Rodgers is 21-5 against the Bears. I mean, that's just kind of, you know, that's just kind of out there, stuff everybody knows. But I looked at that Bears game, and two big takeaways, they didn't turn the ball over. And they held the Raiders at 259 yards of offense. So, yeah, it was their defense that was responsible as anything as their offense. And their offense ran for 143 yards with, you know, with Herbert and Williams, uh, which obviously kept fields from high-pressure situations. So I would think Nagy's preferred path to victory this week is also to run the ball, uh, kill clock. Green Bay knows the Bears are 32nd in just about everything, yards per pass, passing yards, passing yards per game. Uh, quarterbacks being sacked. I mean, they're just going to stack the box. And, you know, on the other side, the Bears' defense is at least legit. They lead the league in sacks. Uh, so I, I came down, and I can't lay the points with the Packers in spite of Rodgers' record against the Bears. So I'm with you guys. I see a lowest-scoring game. I love this under. Uh, I almost love the under even more in the first half. But I will bet one, two, or both of those. All right, solid stuff on that game, guys. Uh, nobody picked my Packers you know, uh, against the spread, which is quite surprising. So it looks like we're all going to go ahead and stay away from that. Let's jump over to Kansas City. Let's jump over to Washington. Interesting game. Line on this one, KC minus six and a half, sky high total at 56. I did a podcast uh, last week with Mackenzie Rivers, and I said, why don't we just keep just playing Kansas City overs until you get burned? And I'm not against doing that for this particular game. Both of these defenses stink, but – I think it's it's hard for me to lay the points with Kansas City on the road. Reason being, and I know that they're going to be a little bit salty, but when you're laying that many points, six and a half, like I feel like the back door is always open. And when you have a terrible defense, it's it's open more than than you know than it ever could be. So it's hard for me to get myself to Kansas City, and it's hard for me to get you know to Washington. The only thing I could get to is the over, and that's probably. In my opinion, maybe the squares pick on the board this week, but that's the only thing I would do. Fifty-five and a half, fifty-five. I, maybe I would, you know, go ahead and go ahead and, and wager on that. Fifty-six. I'm, I'm a little hesitant, but that's the only thing I would do. Uncle Dave, I'll throw it right back to you with this one. What do you got? Instinctively, I think people are going to want to take that over. You know, given that Washington's defense has gone from one that we respected greatly preseason to allowing actually a league worst. Uh, league second worst points, and who are they second only to? Kansas City. Uh, so yeah, I think everybody's going to love that over. And you know, I looked at it Monday. Books were still at fifty-five and a half, just below fifty-six, which can be a key number. And part of me wants to wait for fifty-six and above and bet the under just to be in the minority, uh, knowing that you know. I mean, the, the books have accounted for all this stuff. You know, fifty-six—that's twenty-eight points apiece, or 
is, is Washington going to score that many? I don't really know. Um, but against sort of, you know, Washington had a tough time scoring last week uh, against lesser defenses than what the Saints brought. Washington, they have been able to put up points. But what worries me about the Chiefs is they're desperate now. I mean, they're cellar dwellers in the AFC West. And desperate teams tend to do desperate things. And if Kansas City starts trying higher risk plays, that doesn't always end well either. You know, I mean, this line's still being slightly less than a touchdown. I think sharp betters are waiting for a bigger number to, to take Washington. Um, then I look the other way in fairness to Kansas City. They played four good teams and one decent one, but, you know, still we know they aren't right. So for me, uh, this is a case, uh, a classic one for me that I can't bet on what could happen, you know, what Kansas City's potential is um, until they actually start actually doing it. So, you know, I don't think Washington wants a shootout. So I do lean under a little bit, but if it is a shootout, you know, as you said, sleepy, the back door, Kansas City's defense, they really do suck. Uh, So I don't think there's seven points of separation here or, or 10 on a neutral field, if you will. So, you know, at seven, it's WTF, give me WFT. I'm going to guess that the the team that's the most teased along with Tampa is probably going to be Casey. The the books are going to be heavy you know, heavy liability on Tampa Bay, Kansas City teasers. Um, That's my gut. Chris, what do you got for that one? Yeah, so no props on the board for this game right now, but I'll tell you exactly where I want to attack is going to be in regards to pass attempts and also in regards to the receivers going over some of their totals. I I think Terry McLaurin's the guy I'm going to have a a close eye on when the numbers open up. He's coming off a relatively down game. He only had four catches for 46 yards in week five, but he had 11 targets and 163 air yards in that game. And that, that was a game where, on the other side, Marshawn Lattimore you know, played very well. So I think that you're looking overall with the Washington football team, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to have to keep up with Kansas City's offense. The reason I say that is because you know Washington, we, we know them for their defensive line, but they might have the worst secondary in the entire NFL this season. It's not even close. I think only the Lions have a worse-graded coverage unit than the football team this year. They're facing the third-highest uh, neutral situation pass rate on the year as well. So, you know, while they do stop stop the run in a halfway decent manner, teams are going to want to throw. And, and when KC gets this type of matchup, they're going to want to throw all over Washington, especially to make up for Patrick Mahomes' down game in prime time in week five as well. So that's where I'm looking for. I mean, in regards to the Chiefs, they're bad everywhere. They're, they're you know, bot, bottom in the league in terms of bottom 10 and coverage grade. Uh, 30th in, in, pat, in pat, pass rush overall, and then 32nd dead last in run defense. So maybe Washington will try to run the ball a little bit with Antonio Gibson. We do see a really great matchup when it comes to Washington's uh, run blocking, you know, number 11 overall in the league, and, and, and compare that to KC's run defense. But I believe that the Chiefs will put up enough points sooner or later in that game to where Washington's going to have to throw the ball to keep up. So I really love I really like Tyreek Hill to have a bounce back game after being shut down for the second time in three or four weeks against the Bills. And I also like a big bounce back game for Kelsey if they're both looking healthy going into that weekend. So I I think you got to play the stars in that game because these might be two of the worst secondaries in the entire league. So I'll be definitely looking to take advantage of that. That's another one, Chris. I I don't think I have the nuts to go ahead and fade guys like Kelsey McLaurin and and Tyreek Hill. I just, I don't know. You better be, you better have some really good reasoning in order to do that. Uh, I have some good reasoning why I don't want any part of the next game. We got the Vikings. They're going to be on the road at Carolina. Carolina is going to be catching a point here at home. Total right now on this one, 46. I'm passing. I don't want any part of either of these teams right now. Um, and it's not that I'm down on them. It's just 
they're probably two teams that, that I'm the cloudiest on. Haven't seen a whole hell of a lot of Minnesota. I mean, Cook's been out. Uh, you got McCaffrey out. Uh, he might play. He might not. Cook might play. He might not. Um, so it, it's a game that, that I need to go ahead and get more information on. I need to figure out, you know, what's going on with the health. And more than anything, I probably just need to sit, watch them, and get a little bit better of a feeling for both of these clubs. So it's a pass for me. Steve, I'll go ahead. I'll throw it over to you. Vikings, Panthers, what are you thinking? Well, this I, I can't wait for Dave to start with this one, too. Uh, ultimately, is this the wrong team favored, Dave? This is what it's going to come down to. It opened up, and I believe Carolina was favored. It's now switched over to Minnesota, so I'm, I'm certainly interested in, in Dave's perspective on it. But both are, are top 10 in PFF coverage and bottom 10 in pass blocking, which I find interesting. Uh, Kirk Cousins could have his problems in this game. Carolina is tied for third in sacks, uh, six in QB hits. Cousins was sacked in every game this year. Thielen is also, I don't know what's going on there. Only two, in the last two games, he's only had five catches. And Alexander Madison, although I I could have killed him at the end of the game uh, last week, uh, he's done a pretty good job in Dalvin Cook's absence. So I do think they're going to keep the ball on the ground as much as possible. Keep Kirk Cousins out of of that Carolina uh, firing defensive line that's just dominating everybody. And you're, you're seeing kind of the same thing on the other side of the ball. Sam Darnold, who looked great at times and, and certainly made some Jets fans scratch their heads at where the hell was this all year or all, all his career. He actually came back to earth a little bit last week, and he's facing a Minnesota defense that's actually very good. Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, uh, Saxon in, in three straight games, Hunter in, in four of the last five. So they're getting after the quarterback. Darnold is fleet of foot, so I'm curious if this is something that we want to look at as far as his overrushing numbers, which he has not been scared to run the ball this year at all, much more so than I even thought he was capable of. He has been sacked 14 times on the season, so this is not a recipe for success for Carolina. Um, For all the flashes, he's got six touchdowns and six interceptions. And last week, he had three interceptions and a passer rating of 44.5, 4.8 yards per attempt. That is just not going to get it done against anybody in the uh, in the NFL. Uh, the last three games under by a touchdown or more, which is also very interesting, kind of getting into something that I, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I'm certainly leaning towards that under. Um, both teams are top 10 in opponents uh, points per game. Um, this was a peculiar one. I don't know if this is something that we look to play before the game or, or, or in game, but both teams are top 10 in school, first half scoring, but bottom seven in second half scoring. Limited sample size, we talked about it earlier with only five games. How much is that is real? How much is that is just variance? Um, but certainly something I'm going to be looking at and potentially playing a, a live under if the, the score goes high enough here. Uh, Minnesota is four out of five one-score games. So I'm actually going to take them in a teaser here. I'm going to take Carolina. I'm going to move it up through the touchdown. I'm going to tease it with the Chiefs, and that will be a teaser that we're putting out into our um, our channel, Discord channel in a little bit. All right, good stuff there, Steve. How about you, Chris? What are you thinking about for that one? I think Steve hit on a lot of good points here. You know, the fact that we're seeing two of, two of the top 10 secondaries in terms of coverage grade on the year, although Minnesota's defensive backs haven't been anything that we want to shy away from necessarily. But I think the thing that adds to it for Minnesota's side is the fact that they're top 10 in pass rush in the league. And the Carolina Panthers right now, According to PFF, they rank dead last, 32nd overall in the league in terms of their pass blocking. So I think that Sam Darnold, this is a very similar situation to what they faced in week five when the Eagles pulled a quote-unquote upset. But this is a very similar situation to what the Eagles came in with a top 10 pass rush, and they got after Sam Darnold. And even though Sam Darnold, you know, the thing that's surprising about him is the rushing touchdowns, while they may be fluky, 
he actually has the fourth most designed QB rush attempts in the entire league. So, you know, will will they design some rushes for him? Probably. Will they still sack him a lot? Probably as well. So I'm looking at that as a downgrade for Carolina. And I think Minnesota's defensive line should be able to get after Darnold in this game, which is why I would lean under, even though the total is at 46 right now. Um, I think when you look overall, you know, Daniel Hunter from the Vikings, I, I think you, he's a clear mismatch in terms of the Panthers' offensive line. So overall, I have to look unders across the board in this game. You know, no props out currently for it. Um, guy, you know, ancillary guys like, you know, the K.J. Osborne for the Vikings, who runs a lot of his routes out of the slot. He has a down matchup against the Panthers' A.J. Boye. He used to play in Denver last year, one of the best slot cornerbacks in the league. So um, both these teams prefer to run their offenses at a slower pace than usual. You still have Dalvin Cook banged up a little bit. Uh, If Madison does play, I will be looking to attack his rushing attempts and rushing yards, but most likely his attempts because the Panthers have a pretty good run defense on the other side. So uh, I think that all goes to say I think Minnesota probably has a clear edge here in the defensive matchup, but – Maybe we're just getting that slight boost with Carolina being at home. Uh, but, you know, fantasy-wise, DFS-wise, I'm trying to stay away from this game as much as I can outside of maybe Alexander Madison for the Vikings, uh, you know, if he becomes the clear starter if Dalvin Cook is ruled out. All right, solid stuff there, Chris. How about you, Uncle Dave? What do you got? Well, I don't know uh, what to tell you here, Sleepy. I mean, you know, the Vikings won without Cook, and it was a game they, they could have lost, and, you know, that they usually do lose those games. and. Carolina lost a game that they probably should have won, although that game against the Eagles last week, Philadelphia was clearly the sharp side in that game, uh, fortunately, because I did have the Eagles. you know. But as everybody's mentioned, Donald regressed to his Jets days, throwing three picks, and they only averaged 3.8 yards per play. In other words, pitiful. You know, I think uh, Madison filled in nicely for Cook. I think he ran for over 100 yards, but you know that was the Lions defense. And I actually have a lot more respect for ruling the Panthers defense than maybe some people do. Um, this is Minnesota's first road game in a month, uh, and they haven't won on the road yet. Uh, the Vikings will be a tough bet to make, although, you know, as as some of you mentioned, the Panthers did open favorites, and they're not right now. So, you know, I have to sit here and decide, do I, do I trust my work or do I do I look at the market? You know, I don't love the way Donald is trending the last couple of games. So I think this is one of those so-I-digress games where I resort to the better coach, the better quarterback, and the better defense. Um, the Panthers have the better coach. I'm just sorry. Rule is better than Zimmer. Um, th- I think they have the better defense. They've, you know, statistically is one thing, but points are another. And they've only given up more than 21 once, and that was at Dallas. Uh, and I think they opened a slight favorite for a reason. It, you know, obviously I would like to know if McCaffrey's in. Uh, it might end up being square, but I can only look Carolina. And right now with the Vikings at minus one and a half in some shops, I, I agree with Steve that Carolina – Plus seven and a half is a great teaser leg. All right, solid information on that game. I will make one prediction that I don't think Sam Darnold is long for a starting quarterback in this league. That guy stinks. And, you know, uh, right now I could probably sit here and blame him. You know, that that was half the reason why the Jets sucked. He's just – he's not good. Um, I I watched enough of him already this season. I watched him over – and I give him the benefit of the doubt that he was with the Jets. But to be honest – I don't think he's very good at all. I think he actually stinks. Uh, let's jump over to the Chargers. They're going to be on the road here at the Ravens. Ravens minus three. Uh, we have a total in this one, 52. Uh, you guys could try to talk me out of the Chargers all you want. Not going to happen. Uh, I think Baltimore just flirts with way too much disaster. This team could be, you know, they could be one and four. I think they're probably going to let down after last week. I mean, that was a uh, 
another emotional game. That that team's had some emotional games this year, you know, from, you know, week one in, in Las Vegas to, you know, last week. So at some point, I think they let down. And look, I, I, I really think that the Chargers are the real deal. I think if you take the top eight teams in the league, they're in there. Maybe even the top six teams, I think they're in there. Uh, Herbert is, I don't know. I don't want to go and go out and say he's better than Mahomes, but he's he's right there. If there's a tier of guys, I think Herbert's in that tier, and he has the the guys to go ahead and help move the ball up and down the field. So you, know, you got to give all those guys credit as well. But um, I'll take the Chargers with the points. Um, I I think that that they win the game outright, and uh, I, I'm going to stick firm with that. So you guys could try all you want to talk me out of out of the Chargers, but I'm telling you now, it's not going to happen. Uncle Dave, I'll throw it right back to you. How are you feeling about that game? I'm not going to try to talk you out of the Chargers at all. I mean, I'm not fading Herbert uh, until he gives me a good reason to. And, you know, Ravens short week, extra energy expended in overtime, yada, yada, yada. West Coast team on the East Coast in the early time slot, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I don't think it matters. I mean, I think the instinctive thing to do here is take the Chargers, at least for me. You know, I was on them large last week uh, and, and won the game in spite of a rush defense that was actually – even worse than I expected it to be. They they just don't seem to make the adjustments. So against Baltimore, yeah, that does kind of worry me. Uh, and the total just went right up, and that's far from unexpected. I mean, Wentz was able to shred the Ravens secondary, so one can only assume Herbert will. Uh, and and I don't see Baltimore being able to stop the Chargers from moving the ball. Uh, and I can only assume Baltimore will be able to run on the Chargers since everyone else has. You know, Monday night, seemingly every ticket and every shop and most of the money were on the Chargers. Uh, in this game, and honestly, they, they might not be wrong. I mean, I, I see a scenario a lot like last week's Chargers game with the Browns that, you know, neither team can stop the other one, and the back door is never closed. Uh, and, you know, so I love the Chargers, uh, and if nothing else, tease the nine. Um, but, you know, I think if it does come down to one of those old AFC-type games like they played last week, you know, who do I want in the end? Well, I want Herbert. So, you know, I'm leery that that total uh, looks just too easy to take the over. Again, you know, books have adjusted for what, you know, people are going to bet the over. It's, it's, it's probably a couple of points higher than mathematically it should be. So I think if you like the over, you bet it now. If you like the under, you, you might want to wait because I think it will continue to climb. Uh, but the bottom line here is, Sleepy, that I agree with you with the Chargers uh, at, at plus three and, and especially tease the nine. Yeah, I like that teaser option as well there, Uncle Dave. I think if you do find yourself liking Baltimore – uh, it'd probably be wise to go ahead and play them in the first half. I I just have a gut feeling that they are going to wear down, you know, as, as this game tends to get a little bit longer. They're going to come out out of the gates, you know. They're going to come out motivated, ready to rock and roll, you know, throw in the kitchen sink. And, you know, if that's the case, they might try to build a little bit of a lead and then try to hold on. But, uh, you know, if you're looking at Baltimore, I think you have to do it in the first half. Uh, maybe even you, you go ahead in, in the halftime, even if they're down and just – or maybe even the game's close or whatever – and then maybe just play the you know play the Chargers in the second half, but um, I think those are those are some decent options. But I do like that teaser pick there, uh, Uncle Dave as well. Steve, how about you? How are you feeling about that one? This might be the premier game of the week. I mean, is there a better game that's on? Both teams are four and one. Uh, both quarterbacks actually combined through for eight hundred passing yards last week. Uh, but with all the recent exploits with Lamar Jackson's arm, I, I think the Chargers are going to keep him in check a little bit. They give up the seventh least amount of passing yards uh, to opposing quarterbacks, but the most amount of rushing yards in the NFL. So my first instinct was to look under on Lamar Jackson passing props, 
but it, it just posted at 240, which seems incredibly low to me. And I actually checked. He's increased his passing yardage in each and every game this year. So literally every game, he's gotten better and better and better. And I don't know where that stops. At what point do we say this is an aberration? It's a small sample size versus some of the things that he's doing now. Even a couple of games ago, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago or three weeks ago, there was a couple wide open drops in the end zone by Holiday Brown that was wide open, put right on the spot, and he just flat out dropped it, that these yardage totals would be much higher than they are. So again, my first instinct was just to play the under and seeing it this low and looking at his yardage prop, I find it very interesting. Uh, I'm certainly going to be listening to Chris when he gets up here in a second and start talking about it. Um, Baltimore has been playing with fire themselves. I mean, four out of five games were one score games, two of which were improbable comebacks. It's almost, I don't know where you factor in the, the luck factor and all that kind of stuff, but they obviously have won the game, which is I'm not even saying I disagree with you, Sleepy, here, but that, that's two games they came back, which I didn't think they have the propensity to do. In fact, previously to this year, I would have said Baltimore is not a come-from-behind team, but they certainly are starting to prove it this year. Uh, the Chargers, their only loss this year was to a really good Dallas team. On the flip side of it, where I, I, I don't know even what to make of this. They have the same net YPP as the Giants. If you're talking about a flawed stat and you're saying that, that YPP is a flawed stat, is there an example more so than saying that the, the Giants are in the same category as the Chargers? Uh, Herbert should have a field day with Baltimore. Carson Wentz just put up 402 passing yards. You know uh, the, the targets he loves there. Mike Williams, Eckler out of the backfield. Allen, obviously. Uh, those are things I'd look to play on the overs. Uh, but my power ratings put this number right where it is. But matchup-wise, everything is telling me to go with the Chargers. I have not bet it. I certainly lean that way. Um, maybe by kickoff, if it remains three or, or for some odd reason, it goes up to three and a half. Maybe I'll look to play the Chargers. Steve, I think you make some great points as far as maybe playing Lamar Jackson under. And I think that one of the reasons why his passing has gone up throughout the years is because they lost so many running backs. It was like, well, either he runs or he throws because you, they only probably had so many plays in the playbook for you know guys like Williams and stuff like that. But now you're going to get another week of Latavius Murray. And we're we're going to end up getting Lamar Jackson probably, you know, with the game he had last week and give him credit like that dude's going out there and he's playing really well, you know, with his feet, with his arm. So we're getting him probably at a high point. But again, the Chargers rush defense isn't very well. And I believe that Baltimore wants to go ahead and they want to reinstate that identity of, you know, that they're a running team. And I, I, I really believe that Latavius Murray kind of fits that team perfectly. Uh, because he's not an east and west runner. He's north and south. That's what Baltimore likes to do. And if if he gets another game under his belt here, uh, he gets some reps. Maybe they are a little tired, whatever the case might be. Maybe they run a little bit more in this game, and we see less passing. And if they're having success on the ground, and if, if, if and all it takes is you know for them to go out and have one good drive where they can run up and down the field, um, we're probably going to continue to see that throughout the game. So I would be with you on that. I'm not necessarily sure where his number uh, was in the beginning of the year, but I'm guessing, Chris, it was probably somewhere, you know, 200 or 205 at, at most. I mean, they, there weren't a whole hell of a lot of numbers that were that were very high with him. I mean, I believe I played him over one game because, you know, I, I talked about the running back situation and that one cashed. But I, actually, I think he had 235 yards in that one. Like He went over by like 20 yards or something. So, Steve, I think you're tracking right, but I think right now we want to buy – buy it now and get after that. Now. I think that's a good bet for this week. Chris, how are you feeling about that game? 
I'm going to push back a little bit on that. I've been sleepy with all the player props podcasts we've done this year and last year. I'm always the one that's knocking Lamar's ability to pass the ball. Um, but I, I will give the man credit. I, I've seen a very noticeable improvement in his passing, the ability to stretch the field, throw the ball accurately down the field. He has one of the best field stretchers and separators in the NFL, and Marquise Brown who's taken a huge leap in his third year in the league. Uh, they signed Mark Andrews to a huge contract in the offseason for a reason as well. And then you add the fact about the running back situation. The fact is they lost their top two guys. They had to sign multiple, you know, past their prime veteran running backs off the street. And they're not confident in feeding any of those guys enough carries to really do much damage overall. And we don't even know week to week now whether it's going to be Tyson Williams, the six-round draft pick uh, from last year who was made inactive in week four and then came back and stole snaps from Latavius Murray in week five. What I will say, the reason, in addition to all those factors, look, the main reason why Lamar's passing more is because the Ravens' defense is absolutely terrible this year. I mean, with the, the cluster injuries that's to start off the season in the secondary – I mean, look at what they did last week on, in a primetime home game against the Indianapolis Colts, maybe one of the bottom deep offenses in the league in Indianapolis. Carson Wentz threw for a career-high 400-plus yards. There's only two times in, his, in Carson Wentz's entire career he's had over a 10-yards-per-attempt clip, and he did those both in 2017. He had only had 300-plus yards once in all of 2020. He had 400-plus yards against the Ravens. He was picking them apart the Ravens could not force a fourth down to save their life in that game and because of that you know we're getting you know the Colts times 10 and when it comes to the Los Angeles Chargers this week the 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 Chargers are going to pass the ball above expectation compared to the rest of the league no matter what and after seeing what Indy did to Baltimore secondary in week five I think we're going to see the Chargers do that and double down on that in week six which will eventually force the Ravens to actually continue what they've been doing which is passing the ball above expectation themselves. So I actually think that the passing yard total, I like the over. Um, You know, this is a different Lamar Jackson. This is a different Ravens team. And everything is pointing towards the fact that they're not relying on the run because they can't because their defense isn't what it used to be. So the fact is we're still getting sold on the market on an old narrative that Lamar can't throw the ball like he did in the past when he was younger but he can throw the ball now. He's now shown it, as Steve mentioned, going from a minimum of 235 in week one up for five consecutive weeks from 316 in week four to 442 in week five. I'm not saying he's going to throw for 300 plus or 400 plus by any means, but the fact is when you look at the projections right now, they have him for around 255 to 260 yards. And given all those factors involved, the line is at 240 and a half. I think the line is more representative of the old narrative on Lamar Jackson and we can actually still take advantage of the over for him in this game. And don't get me wrong, the Chargers with Staley, they're going to force you to run the ball, but the way their offense operates, eventually the Ravens will need to throw the ball as well. So I expect a lot of points, a lot of yards in this game. I think this will be a very similar game to how we saw the Browns and Chargers shake out last week, which was the highest scoring game by far of the week. Most plays, most snaps on both sides for both teams. So I'm looking for almost an exact similar type of uh, game script to play out here because the Ravens profile very similarly to how the Browns do, except for the Browns actually have better running backs and have a better defense. So uh, I'm all over the passing for both sides. I think we're going to see a, a lot of air yards in this game. All right. So we're on opposite sides of the of the Lamar Jackson passing. So we'll see how that all shakes out. It'll be interesting. It'll be give us something to talk about um, next week. Uh, see who's right. See who's wrong. Uh, Cowboys Patriots next game. 
Patriots are going to get plus three and a half here at home. Total 51. I feel like they're begging you to go ahead and take the Patriots. Um, they're, they're giving you the hook here. I'm not doing it. I'll take Dallas. I think Dallas is on a mission. That team is rolling right now. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that I think that you want to do is you want to play a team that's playing really good football. Whether you want to play them at home, play them on the road, I don't think it matters uh, because you're going to get their best effort and you're going to probably get their best game. So I'll take the Cowboys. I'll lay the three and a half. Typically, you know, that's something that we don't like to do, especially on the road. But I just believe that Dallas is a far superior team and they're playing so much better football right now um, than a lot of teams in the league, and, and one of those being the Patriots. So I'm going to lay it here with the Cowboys on the road. I feel pretty comfortable with that. Uncle Dave, Patriots, you're your team. You know this team rather well. How are you feeling about that game? Well, you know, the first thing you look at, you're right about begging them to take New England. They're underdogs at home in a nationally televised game. So, mm, you know, I, I wish Dallas had a big game next week so I could try to find a way to take those points. But – they have a bye next week. I, I think the question here is is wondering if Belichick and New England can bring the energy they had against Brady and the Bucks a couple of weeks ago. You know, they didn't want to shoot out against Tampa Bay. They didn't get it. Uh, they don't want a high scoring game here, and I don't. And I think they get their wish. You know, I know Mills shredded him last week, but I think that has to be the outlier. I mean, Houston just threw everything at the Patriots and caught them flat footed. Uh, the Patriots defense is legit. They're fourth in points per play allowed. So. I'm going to come to their defense literally here. Uh, teams have had some success running against Dallas, uh, and New England doesn't want to test Trevon Diggs, obviously, with anything deep, and, and they aren't throwing deep. I mean, Jones just hasn't, and I think that's borne out by, I think, the fact that they're 26th ranked in yards per pass, you know, and I started thinking, would it be just like Bill to do exactly what you won't think they will, and and I don't think that's the case here. You know, this, this total come up from the opener, and I think – if I take the names off the rotation, you have to bet the under. I mean, you know, overreaction time. Dallas is 4-1 and one to the over with 60 points combined in their last three games, all of, all of them at home. So, yeah, I think it's a bit of an overreaction. In their last road game, they scored 20 points against the defense we've been spending a lot of time on, the Chargers. So that's a little bit of a yellow flag. And the Patriots haven't seen 49 points in any game yet. And, this is the same total we had with the Bucks game when everybody assumed Brady would light them up. I think betters are overreacting to Dallas scoring at will, uh, overreacting to Mills throwing for 300. So I like the under here, Sleepy. All right, Uncle Dave's going to go take the under. How about you, Steve? Cowboys, Patriots, what do you got? Sleepy, this is America's team here. They're 4-1. and one. They're undefeated ATS. Uh, they're tied for fifth in my power ratings, which is probably their greatest accomplishment considering I'm a Giants fan. Uh, they almost beat the defending Super Bowl champions in the opener. They handed the only loss to the Chargers, and they dominated, as I said, my favorite team, the Giants, last week, 44-20. to Dak Prescott came back from injury, whatever happened with his ankle and whatever that shoulder injury was. He's very impressive. He's going to be a pro baller. And Elliott and Pollard look unstoppable on the ground as they have one of the best running attacks in, in, in the league. So what's not to like about Dallas? And I think that's exactly why I'm on New England. Uh, New England, the last thing everyone remembers is them almost losing to Houston and allowing Davis Mills over 300 yards passing. What happened the week before that? They almost beat Tampa Bay. And we gave out a pick last uh, two weeks ago that was a look-ahead bet. Uh, New England plus five and a half. The line opened back up. It shot all the way up to seven. They were, they were getting seven points at home against Tampa. 
And, and this game reminds me exactly of that. The same thing happened here. This line opened up at three. It pushed all the way to uh, four and a half. Now it's starting to come back down now to three and a half. Um, you know, Belichick is an incredible coach and mysteriously profitable despite being on amazing teams. Typically, the teams are amazing. The ATS record goes down because these teams are inflated, but he's able to overcome that. They start the year off slowly, traditionally, and that is the exact same thing that's happened now. You went, Mac Jones led two game-winning drives the last two weeks. Uh, he only won one of them, but he led them down to, in a position to score, and, and he did what he needed to do. Uh, he's a first-year quarterback that Belichick is, uh, under Belichick's tutelage, he's getting better as time progresses here. And there's really, he's the best quarterback that from this draft class, and it's not even close in my opinion. Um, my power ratings make the game New England too. If the market is begging me to take New England, I I I complied. I did it. I think it's disrespectful to New England, and I'm fading the hype and betting on Belichick. All right, so Steve's on the opposite side of me. Uh, how about you, Chris? How you feeling about that one? Uh, I actually like the under in this game. I think 50 is just too high. We, you know, these are Dallas is not the pass happy offense that we came to love last season. It's a big reason why is because their defense has taken a huge step forward. I mean, they rank number four overall in coverage rate on PFF and Trevon Diggs, obviously a huge part of that. I would look towards unders on the new England passing side. When it comes to guys like Johnny Smith, you know, we started off the season in a timeshare with Hunter Henry. We've seen Hunter Henry completely emerge as the number one option out of those two tight ends in that offense. Johnny Smith saw his route step to a season low, 19% of dropbacks in week five. Um, the one guy I will look to target for an over is the fact that the Cowboys are in the top of the league in terms of they've, they've allowed the most receptions and receiving yards to opposing running backs. And Brandon Bolden in a game where the Patriots are obviously underdogs at home, I think he's basically assumed the James White role since James White was put on season ending IR. Uh, he's handled almost all the long down and distance situation, all the two-minute offense work. And with Damian Harris banged up, I think you're going to see Bolden maybe run near 100% of the routes in terms of passing dropbacks for the New England running back. So I think he'll be heavily involved in the passing game. I'm interested to see what those numbers come out at in the prop market. Uh, but I think overall, you're looking at a Dallas team that the only team in the NFL that has a higher situation neutral run rate than Dallas is the Chicago Bears. So Dallas is running in, in games that are seven points or less on the scoreboard. They're running the ball 52.4% of the times. Uh you know, the good thing about Dallas's offense in terms of fantasy and DFS is that they run a lot of plays. They play at a fast pace, but they're still handing off more often than not. So this is a game where I don't expect the Patriots to have that much success offensively to where they're going to force the Cowboys to air it out. And what we've seen now through five weeks is that the Cowboys do not need to air it out. They're not going to force the issue if they don't have to. They're going to rely on Zeke. They're going to rely on Tony Pollard. And I think that's where I would look, if anything, in this game. I think that the running backs will continue uh, to have success in this matchup. But, uh, you know, these are two teams. I think that they, you've seen them rely on the ground game and the defense more than anything this year outside of the blip on the radar and what the Patriots basically overlooked Davis Mills completely last week. I think they're going to get back to the basics in week five. And, and and that makes me like the under at 50 in this game. I'd be surprised if they even cracked the, the mid forties, because I think that the Patriots are going to keep things really close to the vest in order to try to get this get this win and have a big bounce back type of statement win at home. All right, solid stuff there, Chris. Good information. Let's go ahead and jump over to the Rams. Uh, they'll be at Steve's Giants. The Giants catching a boatload here at home, plus nine and a half. There are even some tens out there as well. Uh, total of forty-seven and a half. I don't have an opinion on this game. The Giants are another team that 
right now I just I can't wager with them because their health is is so shaky and the Rams on the road. I just feel like they're kind of due for kind of just that dud game and this could be it. You know, this could be one of those 1917 type games where, you know, they're hanging on for dear life. It's just kind of, you know, kind of what I'm envisioning for this game, but can't really trust uh the Giants here. The could they get blown out? Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to lay that many points with the Rams on a row because I just feel like, the, you know, that dud game, lackluster type of game is probably, you know, it, it's probably here. So it's a pass for me on this one. You know what, Steve, I'll save you till last. Chris, I'll throw it right back to you on this one. How are you feeling with the Rams and Giants? This one's tough because there's so many question marks on the board in regards to injuries for the New York Giants. We're still not sure if Daniel Jones is going to play. Uh, Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton are all still listed as questionable. It's possible all three of them play it's very possible that all three of them don't play. We already know Kenny Galladay is not going to play either. So they have Devontae Booker at running back with no Saquon Barkley. He's going to get almost every running back target and every running back rush attempt in this off in this offense. We saw how it played out last week. I think he's a very viable fantasy asset if, if you're desperate and you're able to pick him off waivers this past week. But that's going to make the difference for me. If we get Daniel Jones and at least one or two of those wide receivers – playing at home for the Giants, then I think that we're going to see a more competitive game, which means I think Stafford will be forced to pass a little bit more. Whereas I'm worried that if Daniel Jones comes in banged up and he gets banged up again and has to leave the game again, we, we could just see a complete, you know, running domination type of performance from Daryl Henderson and the Rams offensive line here. So we do have clear upgrades for the Los Angeles Rams. They're number three in pass blocking. The Giants are number 23 uh, in, in terms of their pass rush. And, and the Giants actually rank in 20th or worse across every metric for defense when it comes to pass rush, run defense, and coverage grade. So the Rams can do whatever they want to do offensively, but if the Giants have those cluster injuries on offense, the Rams simply will not have to push the issue that much offensively in this game. So if we get the indication that there's going to be no Daniel Jones, even if the Henderson line has steamed up in terms of his rushing yards, I would still be inclined to take the over there. Uh, whereas if Daniel Jones does play and we get at least one or two of those receivers, then maybe I would look towards Stafford and his passing yards. Cause right now we have Stafford projected for roughly, you know, a little bit less than 300 yards and the line is sitting at 286 and a half. So this is a wait and see for me because that's going to determine whether I attack the running or the rushing side for the Los Angeles Rams in this game. I mean, you make me feel pretty good, Chris, about that. You know, when I was thinking about the under in this one, as I was talking through it, you know, a lot of the stuff he said made a lot of sense. It's maybe the under is a wager that I'll go ahead and make there. How about you, Uncle Dave? How are you feeling about the Rams and the Giants? Yeah, I think I'm going to be with you, Sleepy. I mean, to look ahead line here was six and a half, and after the injuries to Jones, Barkley, Galladay, and Tony, it's ten and a half. Um, if Jones is out, you know, I can actually wrap my head around Glennon to some extent. I mean, he's not the worst option. Barkley is out. That's a problem. And Booker only averaged 2.6 per carry last week, and the Rams' rush defense isn't going to make that anything easier. And, you know, if, if Tony's out, that takes taking the Giants pretty much off the table for me uh, with, at any number, really. I, the Rams have some extra rest. They have the Lions at home next week, so it's really a good spot for them. Uh, but I question whether McVay really has the incentive to run the score up, uh, assuming he can. You know, some books open this at 50. It's obviously way down. Uh, but if the Giants are missing Barkley or Tony, uh, and they may be missing both, I love this under at just about any number, really. Uh, and I think I could probably – throw the Giants team total under as well. I mean, I'll let, I'll let, I'll, I'll, I'll let Steve sort of lay all over me on this one and convince me why I'm wrong. 
All right. Well, Steve, you're up. Your Giants. Um, they are the walking wounded right now. I'm guessing you you probably don't you know feel too good about how your team's going to finish you know the rest of the year. But um, I'll let you go ahead and talk about the Giants. How are you feeling? It's, this whole situation is very frustrating from a betting standpoint. I, I think I really thought the Giants were going to be a play on team as the year progressed, and you know we bet on them with New Orleans and we we won, and then you know Dallas. They were looking good, and then Daniel Jones goes down, and then all hell breaks loose. Um, there's been so many damn injuries that it, it's very difficult to process all of that to determine how to bet moving forward. Uh, you know, there were some positive reports. I mean, last week I, I thought Shepard and Slayton were going to play, and, and at the last second got scratched. So I, I think that they have a good chance to play this week, which I think obviously helps the Giants here. Um, also reports that Tony's practicing as well. So I, I think the three receivers, Slayton, Shepard, and Tony, probably are going to play. I don't expect to see uh, Barkley at all, but I'm not high on him. I, I don't think Barkley is a game changer. It doesn't move the needle um, even a half a point really for me. He hasn't shown me anything to to, to earn that kind of trust and respect in, in the marketplace. Um, I, I think Booker is going to be a great option, as Chris mentioned, in, in the passing game. The little dump-off passes to him, it's going to be all day long. You can't run on the Rams. You're going to have to pass on it. So if if Jones is in there, I think there's going to be a lot of yards for the Giants. Whether or not they get the scores is a different animal. They're not great in the red zone. Uh, but I think as far as the player prop market goes, I'm looking to overs. Overs on Jones, pass attempts, yards. Uh, if he's healthy, this is all predicated on if he's healthy, if he's practicing, if the report's coming out of camp or that he's playing well, then I'm going to be looking down this direction. Now, Tony is absolutely electric. You can't, it's like he's a joystick. You can get this guy moving in any direction at any point in time. But I'm a little bit concerned about his volume that he'll get if Shepard and and Slayton return, Shepard in particular. Shepard, when he plays, gets a majority of the targets for the Giants. So how does that impact him with, with Tony out? Uh, with Tony back in the game and, and cementing himself in a role that you'd imagine for the rest of the year and maybe the rest of his career as the Giants 1A option, potentially. Um, Galladay being out doesn't move the needle for me. I, I really I really like the overs on the Giants running game. As far as the Rams uh, offense, they can pick their poison with the Giants. The Giants aren't really good at anything. So I, I, I think Henderson's a good option, particularly if they're up big. Um, I did play a small amount uh, on Giants plus 10 when reports came out that they are uh, – playing and practicing and trending positively. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously that's going to go right through 10 if these players are not playing. Um, The other thing regarding the total, I I think it's come down so much because of those injury concerns. You saw the line shift from 10 and a half all the way down to nine and a half today when reports out of camp were that the, the players were practicing. So, I didn't see the same thing really with the total, which is interesting. I don't have a ton of faith with the Giants offense to score points, but the yardage I feel more comfortable about. The Rams have Detroit, like you mentioned, Dave on deck, and Houston after that. So there's literally no look ahead. The Giants, even with Glennon, might be the best team they face the next three weeks. So I think the Rams will be focused. Um, just something of note, the Giants and Rams are combined 7-3 and three to the over on the year. Um, with this suppressed line going down, I may look the other way. I haven't really decided. I want to dive more into it. So I'd be bucking you folks on that uh, that end. You know, Steve, I'm kind of with you with uh, really wanting to bet the Giants multiple times this year. And just it's frustrating that you haven't had the chance because, you know, I felt that they were a team that was going to be much improved you know, with a healthy Saquon coming back and all the wide receiver options, you know, tight end options. I just really felt like, you know, that there was probably 
a team that we might be able to make a bunch of money on this year that was, you know, finished with a bad record last year and, you know, a lot of a lot of question marks. So it's been frustrating for me, too, because I really wanted to go ahead and play on them. Uh, but that's it, guys. That'll wrap up the podcast. That's all the games that we went through there. You guys got the Thursday night, and then you also got... Uh, I actually thought we were doing five, but we did six NFL Sunday games. So that'll wrap it up. You guys know where to find us on Twitter. You guys can get me at sleepyj underscore pregame. You can get the player prop expert, Chris Dell. You guys can go ahead and get him at Matt Journalist. It is M-A-D-D Journalist. Uh, stats and information guy, uh, Steve Reeder. You guys can get him at Avoid the Vig and Uncle Dave. Uh, the master of all trades, master of disaster, the, the dancing destroyer, the country club golf hustler. You guys know where to find him at Dave underscore Essler. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the games. <laughs>